1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live from Las Vegas, sports talk, hot takes, and all of the bangers, Lindsey Brown and Adrian Hernandez, the Playmakers.
2: Hang on! My headphones! Oh, thank God. I'm usually so on it to start. I was ready for this. It was
3: the commercial break in the Minnesota news that really. Honestly. The Minnesota history. I mean, of
2: of all the things that we've invented, water skiing was not one of them that I. was aware of, and so I'm happy to add to the list of the greatness that is the Minnesota born and raised. My name is Lindsey Brown, and that's exactly where I am from, and you're from...
3: Cleveland, Ohio, and yeah. hi, I'm Adrian Hernandez. Let's
2: just say misery loves company, that's why we're here. 100%. And uh, And we appreciate everybody taking the time today to commiserate with us all, Joes, Jills, whatever you call yourselves. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Who celebrates? It should be everyone at this point.
3: Honestly, and happy June. Like, we're here halfway through the year already. though.
2: And it's been quite a start to this month, to be honest.
3: Yeah, honestly. And and for those in the podcast who didn't hear, uh, Minnesota created water skiing. That's why we were freaking out. Lindsay was very excited. And, yes, there was a lot of news today. Shopping
2: malls, Best Buy, Target, (laughs) water skiing.
3: Lindsay, I need you to be prepared because I got nine hours of sleep yesterday.
2: My God. What time did you go to bed?
3: At, like, 10. 10-15. 10-15. That's
2: like right around the time I went night nine, 9 Putting
3: Sire to sleep is a dangerous game. So if you sure. have any plan, I'm going to put the kid to sleep and then I'll wash the dishes. It ain't happening.
2: Well, he cuddles happening up with you Tuesday night, no.
3: Yeah, 100%. He cuddled up. I'm fully aware. I'm ready to go. Engaged. I'm kind of hoping that the show lasts forever because I have to go to the gym today. We have to get back on it, Linz.
2: I'm still bargaining with myself to see if I'm going to go to tennis tonight at 730. The French Open isn't inspiring you? I just, I don't feel great. And so on days that I don't feel great, I try not to like push myself too hard because I know that there's not a whole lot of gas going back in the tank right now because it's just too damn expensive in all the other tanks. And so, um, you know, you just got to kind of call it as you see it and as you feel it. But I, I know of that dread and i used to get those like pre-game or even pre-practice butterflies where it's just like even 3 4 hours ahead of time i'm like all right so i got to get to the rink i got to do this i got to do that and you just kind of get those get stewed up and stuff like that but it's it's an exciting time to be alive because Damn not right. only are the playmakers live Are we on the radio today or Playmakers Plus?
3: We're on both. Oh,
2: (laughs) hot damn. This is our jam. Yeah,
3: so for this first hour, we'll be here live. Yes, 1140 a.m. The Bet Las Vegas. We are here till 4 p.m. That's when Dodgers pregame starts as they take on the Pirates. But the good thing about having options is that you can do multiple things. So you can hop onto that Odyssey app. We'll still be live doing the second hour of the show on the Odyssey app. And, of course, available as a podcast right after Mm. for your listening pleasure whenever you want.
2: But as we learned yesterday, not only are we Marconi favorites, we are an international program. (laughs) And so, like, people are probably listening on the app to begin with. But I'm, like, kind of taken aback right now because I'm seeing one of my close personal friends, Courtney Cronin. Who's on or was on around the horn last hour? I'm watching the replay because I didn't get to catch it because I was too deep in my own stuff. But like me and Crow, I mean, we didn't used to like hang out, but back in my score, North days back in Minnesota when she was covering the Vikings, let's just say I produced a few bits for her. Let's just say Word. I was setting up some very, very uh, exciting events because I was uh, an event specialist, you know, putting up the Plinko board, talking to everybody because. You don't just just walk into the first chair of the radio gig. You got to build your ass up.
3: Shout out to all my street teamers.
2: Retweet. Retweet. I was street teaming when Courtney Cronin was at at Score North, and now her ass is on Around the Horn. So I kind of like both of our trajectories right now. No, facts
3: only. In cheap plug time, speaking of Around the Horn, Mm. Justin Tinsley from Around the Horn joined me the nba basketball preview you
2: don't say and remember
3: that odyssey app It's
2: free isn't it yes
3: and you can go there to listen to that interview there we go we're
2: so good boom at this. june is so- here my god <laughs> just bringing all of it all of it is here and uh mostly sports and other things will be our focus today we got an extra supersized hockey conversation to start out our program and we'll get underway in just a moment. Uh, told y'all that the Sun sucked, or not the Sun, the Sun and the Suns, plural and singular, <laughs> all suck. No wormholes involved, no black holes involved, although your Las Vegas Aces basically have become that for the rest of the WNBA. Winning their seventh straight will get all into that business, including the awards that just keep falling down from the sky, much like the three-pointers that they put up. But uh, that wraps up our first hour. In terms of our second hour, we're going to look inside the monocle Battle lines have been drawn in the game of professional men's golf people. We are seeing legitimate fallout, not related to Phil Mickelson's stupidity and who's going where. And I think we need to kind of talk about see see where everybody's at, and uh, something that we really need to keep an eye on. We're going to talk about some risky business Uh related to your Cleveland Browns because we have learned that not just one but potentially two – more lawsuits have uh, come down against Deshaun Watson.
3: So that would be twenty-three going for twenty-four. Correct.
2: And so I really thought today would probably be a good day to revisit that because with stories like this that are that are Ever kind evolving. of ongoing, and and it, I don't want to talk about it every single time because it, it doesn't always warrant that. Even though the attention, the focus, the the listening that we need to be doing when it comes to the victims slash survivors of this entire thing. And so we need to kind of just, I can't, I still can't believe the the Browns took on this much risk hey, and
0: desperate. it's growing
2: and it's growing. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about desperation. We're going to paint that all up and uh, mostly make Adrian feel bad, or at least very, very conflicted on the inside, but we might as well all match the inside with the outside. We'll leave a few minutes at the end of the show, just in case we need a little bit more breathing room, but a lot of breath dedicated today to the game that I
0: love. Puck. It's time <laughs> for the can opener.
2: If you're not watching me on the IG live for the Sports Radio 1140 account, you will notice that I'm wearing a backwards Kale McCarr jersey yet again, people, because greatness was on display last night. Game one, Western Conference Finals. Your adopted Colorado Avalanche. Eight goals. Mm. Your deeply hated Edmonton Oilers. Six goals.
3: 14 goals in one game, Linz? Is this what you're saying?
2: Excellent math. Uh, Second highest scoring playoff game, only outdone by game one of the last round that the Edmonton Oilers played against the Calgary Flames, in which that score, I believe, was 6-9, to which very nice, but not really if you are a person that played or plays my native position of goaltending. But here's the thing, Adrian. Hockey has changed forever, and it's fantastic. Like, I am vibing. As a former netminder, like this is like we're about to see a completely different display of particular skills in the Tampa Bay New York Rangers game. And I'm not here to poo-poo the goalies in the Western Conference either because guess what? I've been in these situations. I was talking to my dad this morning on the phone. I was telling him about this feeling that I used to get. Like they're there are very specific feelings that that are associated for goalie with me because it's just. You're, you're so on an island, you have to be in the rink, you have to be in your costume, all of these things. And and in the off chance, I was myself off that day. And we were facing a team or facing individuals that I knew were certainly not, and a very good team. It's a different type of nervousness, guys. It's almost like that anticipatory um, energy we were just talking about, like, the gym is coming, the gym is coming. You know it's going to be miserable. Except... It's not about getting something done. It's about going through this experience and hoping to God, the hockey gods, every single one of them, that your ass isn't going to get embarrassed right now. But that's what's going to happen throughout this entire series. I'm not saying that every game is going to be 6-8. to I'm not saying that this series is going to mirror the Calgary Flames Oilers series last round either. But there's a pattern here. And there's a feeling that I get about these Oilers that I just can't really shake and I can't put it on any other team in recent memory. One that is never out of a game. Two-goal lead, that's nothing. Three-goal lead, that's nothing. There's a bunch of different elements that go into a comeback. That's going to be mostly our next segment, the, the convening with the hockey gods. What I want to talk about is kind of the, the X's and O's, the nuts and bolts about what exactly was different about last night's game and why there's so much scoring? Because it's not just because the goalies are bad or that the that the defensemen aren't playing well or that the forwards are scoring. Because if you think about it, the NHL's never been like this. I mean, we've had periods of, of, of scoring when it's been exceptionally high, like Wayne Gretzky's years. Yeah. But the thing is, back in that day, you could literally like just wrist shot the puck towards the net and it was a pretty good scoring chance. The game is so different now, so specialized, so fast, so precise. These guys are hitting their marks, hitting their spots at speeds we've never seen before.
3: And I kind of want to put things into perspective, too, with the scoring. Those 14 goals, that's one shy of the record for any game this late in the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm -hmm. And even entering the third period when the Avalanche were up 7-4, to it already made the highest-scoring game one of a conference finals or semifinals. In 37 years. So this is kind of the scoring that we're looking at.
2: Right. And what we're seeing play out now because the Oilers have found this level of success this deep. They don't need to win the cup for people to start copying this because there's been an expansion of the hockey imagination. And it's not all Connor McDavid, guys. This goes to Trevor Zegers. This goes to points I made during the the Golden Knights season when they were trying to basically uh, play – what's it where – Dead or live, forty points. What's that? What's that game we play as a kid when you play catch?
3: I don't know the name of that game. Okay, I'm never sorry. Mind.
2: <laughs> but in, in terms of Chandler stevenson you skate. I'm going to send the puck, and we're going to hope that you get it, and we're going to send you off to the races, right? Yeah. And the attempts alone to copycat this because it's going to happen. If you're a if you're a skilled team, you're, if you're a team that can skate, they're going to try to do this. They're going to try to play this run and gun offense. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. In the playoffs, not everybody's going to be able to have Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl or Van Der Kane, but the attempts alone will diversify the league. And if there's anything there's a shortage of in the NHL, it's diversity across the board, multiple definitions, multiple intersectionalities. The amount of old white guy sitting um, on TV that's not how the game is played. This is, you got to play some defense, even the great one. Wayne Gretzky was saying, we got to play some defense. And I don't disagree, Wayne. In in this one instance, you and I don't disagree. But for me, what what allowed so much of that scoring to go down is the decision-making of the weak side defenseman, right? So let's just put on our our imagination caps, and I'm going to try to walk people through kind of a scenario of – why people are getting so many breakaways or semi-breakaways, I should say. Because what's happening when players start to break out of their own offensive zone. So let's pretend like the Oilers are breaking out of their own defensive zone. And you get to the neutral zone. Say I'm Connor McDavid and I'm within about 10 feet of the right side boards. Mm -hmm. I got a defenseman straight in front of me. I got a defenseman to the left of me who's in space, and then the forwards are just wherever because they're forwards. They're just pu- they're puck horny. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, what opened up so much space, because when you're close to the boards, the boards act as a third defenseman. I mean, we coach people to to utilize the boards as a third defenseman, usually in the defensive zone because you're like, well, if they come in, you kind of wedge them and you rub them out, and then you take that angle, and then you, you have somebody there to pick up the puck. That – The strong side D, so the one that's directly in front of Connor McDavid, that's who I'm talking about. Weak side D, though, what's their job? Their job is to make sure that things don't go awry. Their job is to make sure that they're not leaving too much wide open space. Containment. Exactly. They can't be out of position, even though they're not the ones whose names are being called right now. But here's the bit. Those weak side defensemen are saying, my name is being called, and they are trying to swing across and pinch or disrupt Connor McDavid, or whoever that forward is breaking out in the Oilers' offensive zone, like on that side of the ice. And I get it. Like, you want to disrupt the the 97s and the 29s before they get up to speed because that neutral zone is where all of those guys get going and are able to enter the zone with a full head of speed. I mean, the Colorado Avalanche do the same drills with, with uh, uh, Nathan McKinnon. But when that defenseman makes the choice to swing and to not trust the strong side defenseman, to not trust the boards to not trust the play to play out closer to their defensive zone. Then all I need is a little chip area pass. And oh look, Evander Kane skating wide open in space. That's where that decision maker, that's where I think Wayne's getting at where it says we need to play a more defensive styled game because that decision alone creates a, a a sequence of events that allows all of these semi breakaways to, to basically exist and semi breakaways, you do not play those the same. If you're a netminder, if you're a defenseman, like there are, di- just based off of your proximity to people, your gap will impact how the play then goes, right? Yeah. And so, good defense starts in that offensive zone. And so, with people stepping too early in the neutral zone, you're not really trusting your ability to get things done in a a shorter amount of time with less space. And like I said, there's something to be said strategically about not letting the Oilers get speed through the neutral zone and not physically engaging them that late. Like, I can understand that. But clearly, that did not work. That did not uh, succeed because no lead is truly safe with this team. And that's that fear that I'm talking about. And that's what I'm worried about for the Colorado Avalanche. We didn't really talk about them yesterday, but before the game started, I'm like, I'm kind of worried about Darcy Kemper because – when you're a netminder and you don't see a lot of shots, it's really hard to get in your in your rhythm. And then all of a sudden you're facing off against world-class, not that the other teams haven't been, but this is just a different type. And you're expected to raise your level and be able to be fully in sync, fully in the flow. And now Darcy left early because he has an injury. We're not sure if he's going to be able to play. And let me tell you, Pavel Frank, is not going to be able to do much better. But the Colorado Avalanche are extremely vulnerable right now extremely vulnerable right now because you are the the highest flying offense in this league you scored 8 goals and it almost wasn't enough wouldn't that put the fear of whoever into you if that if that, Nathan McKinnon what you hold near and dear to your heart is the fact that you don't eat fruit snacks and it still might not be enough
3: and okay. even if you do have a lead they can come back cuz they've proven it
2: Exactly, they had like some. I think it was like twenty-two or twenty-five comeback victories in the regular season. I think I saw the stat last night. But with that, you can't make those mistakes. You can't. You can't play that recklessly in a game because Jared Bednar, their head coach, the Avalanche's head coach, said that he thought they played pretty well checking wise last night. But he said Oilers capitalized on their mistakes, and Oilers themselves made a lot of mistakes too. So there's going to be cleaned up hockey. I don't think it's gonna be another six to eight, but this. This psyche management and the ebbs and flows, the workflow of hockey has been completely disrupted by this expansion of the hockey imagination. And a lot of it has to do with belief, with hockey spirituality, Adrian. A lot of it has to do less with what you see and more of what you feel. And that's where our conversation is going to pick up next. Convening with the hockey gods, what does Connor McDavid represent spiritually and how are the Oilers finding themselves almost like in a resurrected state uh, as they are knocking on the door, at least of the Stanley Cup. Finals I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. 1140, the back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date? Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better
1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bring the beat in!
0: Lindsey Brown and Adrian
1: Hernandez. The Playmakers, exclusively on 1140 The bet.
2: Could not be a better selection, my friend. Just on it.
3: Lindsay, your eyes when we're talking hockey
2: mm. and the
3: NHL, mm. they're lighting up.
2: In a positive light.
3: It, it's, it's insane.
2: It is possible, people. It's a
3: good start to start June. I like this. So the positive Beyonce vibes are coming with us on The Playmakers.
2: Absolutely. Um, I'm not a religious person, but I- I'm certainly a spiritual person, and I believe in other people's belief more than anything else. I, I believe in, like, a shared communal thought and-, and what that can do for people, what people can do with that feeling. And, and we're talking a lot about um, last night's game between the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers, and yes, the Colorado Avalanche were-, were victorious in that. They scored eight goals in order to get that victory, but they were this damn close to go into overtime, guys. And the comeback, the art of the comeback, we so often talk about it, um, you know, in in its after effects, like, oh, what did you say? What did you do? How many people have called their shots? Like, again, a conversation I was having with my dad earlier this morning about, like, the Marc Messier guarantee. Like, I think it was, like, the Rangers, Stanley Cup run, and they were down. He said, you know what? We're winning out. And then they did. Joe Namath made guarantees like this. We've all made guarantees. Babe, Ruth, points. I'm gonna hit a home run that deck and low look. But when it comes to like hockey spirituality, and 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 it's like a very specific kind, because I and I put it with baseball, because with hockey and baseball, there's a lot that isn't in your control. Football and basketball, the ball is literally in your hands at all times, right? Yeah. In you or your teammates' hands versus hockey and baseball. I mean, stuff just happens. Mm-hmm. Weird stuff just is. There is no rhyme or reason. And with that, I think there comes a different level of acceptance of the unexplainable and also almost like a shirking of, of responsibility of failure, right? I'm not going to carry that the same way because I, I'm not the one that – I'm not J.R. Smith who called the timeout. I'm not the one that stepped out of bounds. I, you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a different thing. But when you have these comebacks – and I've been part of them. And we'll get into one of my, my stories here in a minute. Like, you, it's not necessarily always about the speech or the voice in the room. It's about having something to believe in that kind of transcends the words. The words are said, but the belief itself cannot be said. And that's what I think Connor McDavid represents. That's what I, I, I think this, this nervousness that I was talking about last segment and this no lead is safe mindset comes from that transcendentalism that he plays with, where it just seems like if he puts his mind to it, he's going to get it done, and it's going to be in an amazing form. And, and what that kind of does to your psyche at, in the opposition, you know what I mean, and how that would feel. And that's why I wouldn't be comfortable at all if the Colorado, if I'm at the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, the head coach of the Oilers, Woodcroft, said, we scored six goals on their goaltending tandem tonight in their building, and he said it four times in his press conference. That's a message, right?
3: Psychology, mind games,
2: hundred percent. And and there's all these different ways to kind of basically adjust yourself into this into this being where I believe in something bigger than myself, but I myself have to bring out the bigger in me to find that, right? Yeah. And uh, how to explain the unexplainable? How to transcend the moment, the math, and truly believe in something that you have very little control in. And I remember uh, during my junior year at Saint A's, and I again I was talking to my dad about this, and I was like, I'm not sure if my memory serves me right, but
3: the Steve Benoit St- game,
2: yeah, the Steve Benoit game. That it's rough. like Plymouth State junior year, and so I looked up the box score to see if I was right. And what do you know? Plymouth State, February 15, 2014, Saint Anselm College wins over Plymouth State. Very nice arena, in Plymouth State's. Uh, I didn't always have the best of luck in that. We always won, but I got a really bad concussion in there. Oof. And then this little comeback that we had on that particular day. I didn't start that game. Uh, it was Hannon at my my goaltending partner. And I don't really remember all that went down, but I knew that we were down by a lot. And in the second period, Coach Matthews pulls Hannah and puts me in. We're down four nothing for one ish. Trying to see where these uh, where all of our goals were scored. And I remember going into the locker room in between the second and third period. At that point, I'd played like half a period and basically starting to talk to the crew because so they were up three to one and we're not playing well. And I don't really remember what I said verbatim, but it was something along the lines of being like, guys, one goal at a time, right? Right. I mean, three goals is really not that much in the game of hockey. and This is before our imaginations are completely blown. I just remember, like, sitting across from from my teammates, like Jackie and Courtney and their captains at the time, and just seeing how everybody was kind of they weren't dejected, but they're just – you know, you're in your own head. You're in your own space. What else? What can I do? What can I improve on? Whatever. And it's just like, guys.
3: Let's do this together. Well,
2: let's do this together, but it's just like, again – you look at the math, you look at how many games that all of us had probably played into that point. How many times have we been down going into the second period where the comeback isn't enough? It's really easy to kind of go into the autopilot. And that was kind of my challenge to the Oilers earlier on in the, the playoffs. You'd be like, how do you respond to getting blown out? Do you take responsibility to that? Or do you just let, let the, the flow go where it goes? And, and we were able to chip away at that. And we were able to win that game in overtime, but I, I Again, it's. I think it's about that belief. And while you may not believe it fully yourself, like I'm not sure if I was full behind the, the comeback. Like you believe that you can do it, but whether or not it comes to fruition, you don't truly know. But then when it does, oh, it's just like a different type of of of, of Kool Aid, guys. Right? It's the best. It's the best. And when you when you have that happen, just like in a singular moment. And say that's almost like the moment for the Oilers last round, or when they 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 win that overtime game. And and you're seeing we not only achieved our goal, we did it in the most adverse of situations. And guess who bailed us out? Connor. But also Leon Dreisel is playing at a different level. Also, Mike Smith, who got pulled last night, is playing at an unreal level. I'm not worried at all all about Mike Smith because you know why this dude's damn near 40 years old he's seen everything he knows that there's more to come so with that again that that skirting of of that weight of the responsibility of failure right get the next one get the next one it doesn't matter how many you've given up at a point because like once it gets to goal five or six Adrian like me I'm just like please take me out of this game and they did and Koskinen goes in there And he lets in a couple himself. But your mindset has to change as a netminder. And so much of what hockey spirituality is and that belief, especially in the playoffs, has to do with your goaltender and how they're playing. And that's why, again, the hockey imagination is so different when we talk about these Edmonton Oilers because most of the time we say, well, my goalie just got pulled. They let in six goals and less than 20 shots. That's about as bad of a stat line you can get. Aren't you a little bit rattled? Aren't you a little bit, well, maybe we should start 19 next game. Not with this team. Not with Mike Smith because he, again, has seen everything. His resiliency is there. He's been tested. And he's the perfect kind of FU goalie to put in there. Because if he wasn't, that weight of the failure kind of starts to depress you. It starts to weigh you down. And all of a sudden you're worried about, well, what am I not doing and what am I doing? Instead of worrying about, let's just see what happens. Keep the nose down believe in the people that are you've entrusted to lead you, and let's see what happens. Right, we're, It's so easy for us to get into those like micromanagerial positions in our everyday life, and it's the same thing when we're playing games or trying to relax or whatever. Like, well, I want to do it this way, or I want to do it my way. This way has brought me success. Well, that might not bring us success today, but you know what has? Whatever they're doing.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly, as the league changes. And uh, you bring up Mike Smith, 10th goaltender um, to be 40 years old or older to make an appearance in the final four, of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Last guy
2: I think was Marty Brodeur. Yeah, 2012. 2012. Yeah, yep, that was the uh, New Jersey Devils' year. They ended up losing the finals to the Los Angeles Kings. Con Smythe for Jonathan Quick that year,
3: and, and it's a credit to to him and his experience. To mm-hmm. you know, I can't and be, getting
2: pooped on as a goalie. Like yeah. people don't understand that goaltending is strict. Like we. Coaches are meant to deal with personalities. Goalies are meant to deal with failure, literally, because that's our it's pass fail every single damn time, and the failures get put up on the scoreboard, and everybody blames you for everything that went on in front of you. But considering how long he's been in this league, considering he's been kicked around too in the latter in the latter half, considering how little is thought of the goaltending department by yours truly when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, I'm so impressed. And and again, I think it's the perfect kind of concoction. Because you can believe in Mike Smith and his ability to make some saves that you normally wouldn't get, or at least his ability to bounce back. Similar bounce back energy that for Connor.
3: And I, I do want to ask you about Connor McDavid and, and kind of his greatness where, you know, yesterday I'm watching the Guardians play baseball, and Jose Ramirez, who's who's our all-star, mm-hmm. is finally getting intensely walked. And it made me think like, wow. You know the one downside to baseball is you can literally take the ball out or the opportunity for some of these great hitters. Mm-hmm. In other sports, you can't do that. Like you could triple team Steph Curry, right? But he could still put it up and put up twenty five shots. So my question to you with Connor McDavid is: This kind of like a Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson, where you need a spy on defense that's always watching him, or like yeah. what's we call in, that in theory? Yeah, in theory, on defense to 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 defend Connor McDavid and try to limit him. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to go about
2: it? Well, we call it shadowing, and it, and it's. Just like most things with hockey, it's very fluid because I could say, well, make sure that they're never more than, like, you're in their jersey. That's how close I want them to. But he's going to be moving around, and then you're just reacting to wherever you, they go. And so, it, it, like you are saying last segment, interrupting him in the neutral zone, and then you can really see it in the offensive zone, especially, like, on the power play. And if people are standing around, and they're not just, like, whipping around, doing whatever they want, and the puck goes to Connor. The nearest person, the second nearest person, the third nearest person, and then the fourth person. I was like, maybe I should go too, and they start to kind of suck into his orbit, like
3: a little shield. Exactly. Well, him. it's
2: just like they they start to go into the gravitational pull because he is such a threat. But then when that happens, like we were explaining last segment, with if the weak side D swings over and takes that spot, who's going to cover this? No one. Who's going to take this ice? Number ninety-one. Number 29, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like all of these different options are at their disposal. And that's where you could, that's where that greatness kind of, I, I think, is the most exemplified because it's not that you need a shadow. I don't think anybody could shadow him. Like even when him and M- McKinnon are on the same ice at the same time, they're both just going about their work and then they'll, they'll come together and then there's a little bit like, eh. But there's really no way. Like you're trying to get them uncomfortable. You're trying to get them distracted. You're trying to get them into areas of the ice that they typically don't succeed from. Or it's like it's it's a a lower likelihood. Like there's high danger chances. There's low danger chances. I'm like, okay, score on the backhand while there's somebody on your right hip, Connor. Like, let beat us that way, please, please beat us that way. Oh, you did you you dragged uh, us across left to right and you found success. How about we go the other way, right to left? Can you do it that way? Because I'm telling you, if you can keep them to three points or less, you're probably gonna win the game. But if it's four, if he gets to four, you're not going to win. You're not going to win because he's either lathered up or he's gotten to that point where they have broken through whatever your calculus is, and now they're the higher energy in the room. And so you're trying to run out the time, and you're trying to get them to waste that time doing stuff, whether that's breaking out the puck, whether that's that's grinding down in the corner. But sometimes they are just going to be better than you. And that's the tough part, again, that – there's nothing I can do.
3: And that's and why when I asked you the question, I was like, key word was, I didn't say stop. Yeah. I said limit. Right. Because it, with Corral. certain greatness, yeah, it's trying to avoid them, you know, just causing complete chaos and getting right. everyone involved. And with all this positivity with hockey,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I wrote this paragraph I would like to say because okay. it's June 1st and let's start off with good vibes. I do want to say I'll give you snaps. In, in a year where the visibility has changed for the NHL from NBC and the NBC Sports Network mm-hmm. to ESPN, TNT, and TBS.
2: Yeah, what a what a moment for branding Look, for them.
3: A, on the 29th day of the NHL playoffs, which is today, mm-hmm. with the lack of competitive games in the NBA playoffs, yep. this has been a perfect storm for them trying to grow the sport. The 14 goals yesterday. Everyone loves offense. Just, you know, not the TNT, Turner, you know, uh, analyst Talk crew. going to go
2: coach to <laughs> Dallas next year so he'll have yeah. all of the low scoring games he could ever want in his life. But
3: like even on Sunday it was the first time in 25 years you had two game sevens they went into overtime both of the stars scored and to me, it shows growth. When you talk about the analyst and them kind of being old school minded, it happened with college football a few years ago. It's yep. happening in the NBA now. Remember when we played the Candace Parker and Shaq clip yep. where it was two generations yep. and Candace is like, what the hell are you talking about? Like that's kind of what you want when – your fans online and things—you don't want them to just diss and be like confused about what are they saying. But it's just that evolution process where the old timers, standing of the yeah, mind, transcending the
2: our old ways of doing things.
3: So to me, it's a good sign that yes. they'll they'll catch on and they'll realize because it's it's happening in front of them.
2: Yeah, and your point about the NBA not having the greatest of rounds in the late playoffs, like a couple of years ago, it was complete opposite. The first two rounds were basically useless, and we'll start paying attention in the in the conference finals and beyond. But now it's been different, so I think it's been a, a perfect kind of first introduction to the Turner ESPN bit and it offers again a contrast we'll have a high scoring game last night and then today we'll we'll see Eagle. I'm not anticipating the same type of vibes but yeah. that's where this league needs different types different personalities I mean we just look at the success of BTS for example why are they so successful other than the fact that they make good music they identify with people. People identify with them. That's part of the whole marketing thing, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. And with hockey, you're getting it. You want offense? Yep. You want great goalies and defense. Yep. You get it both.
2: If you can't give us hockey personality in front of a microphone, you might as well do it in the actual gameplay on display. And I'm liking what I'm seeing for once. Uh more positivity on the way unless you play uh for the Phoenix Suns or the Connecticut Sun. And then if you're one of those, the blackest of holes. Looking forward to that.